have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, good morning and welcome to The Believer's Journey. This is our very first live stream broadcast. Yeah. And just want to welcome you all here. I have a guest here, Baron Wiley. That's me. Um, and you want to stick around and listen to his story and his information. He is a wonderful, amazing person. Um, so takes one to know one, Alan Cutting. Yeah, oh, help us. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> to you, my friend. Well, thank you. This I is all know. working a long time getting it together. Yeah, if you don't, can I interview you for just a second? Uh oh. Okay. Why in the world are you doing this? I really don't know. The Lord just said, You're, let's do it. Well, you know what? Um, I've always had a live audience, and yeah. I really like live audiences because I've always been able to feed off of them, whether they do something. I remember the first times I was really preaching a sermon, and I'm going and going. Somebody sneezes in the middle of my sermon. Oh, bless you, and I keep on going. <laughs> I feed off of the live audience. Yeah. And now for the last several years, after teaching in, in schools, you know, you have questions and questions, and I, I've gotten to the point where – I f- have to have the questions mm. and part because people, and I'm one of them, grow up and they start to go to church or they grow up in the church and they ask questions and they get these answers that are like um, stupid mm-hmm. or they're incorrect or they don't make sense or they really didn't give them the right answer or a good answer at all. It's not accurate. So after I received a few of these questions and answers to my questions, and understood that they were incorrect. And I'll give you one of them. <clears throat> when I was a teenager, of course, knowing that alcohol is is illegal for teenagers, but I still asked about drinking. And I was told that the Bible said that drinking alcohol is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's a sin. And um, so I figured, why? Well, I don't know any different. I just started going to church. I didn't even own a Bible at that point. I was 16 or 17. And then when I started going to the university, I started really more studying and found out it's there right in the Bible. Jesus drank. Jesus created wine, and it says it's okay to drink and just don't get drunk and right. don't party and cause your brother to stumble and all that stuff. Right? Exactly. So I realized after a few other of these types of questions, I really thought, my word, I got to stop just accepting what people say hmm. and realize other people ask these same kind of questions and get these same kind of answers. So my goal is now in the community of the believers or people in the church walls. My goal and my ministry is to teach them and bring accuracy to the scriptures. Yeah. Because I think we're taught a lot about traditions, and a lot of these traditions don't have the accuracy from the scriptures. Good. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. And the problem is we hear about the traditional part of life so often in the church, we start to believe that it's real, mm-hmm. that, it's, that it's true, that it's biblical. And, it's, and unfortunately, when people don't study it and look it up, they don't find out. That'd be a great series to do on all the the misunderstood, you know, verses in the Bible, and oh. you know, oh, you you've got content for life. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I have so much teaching. I've been teaching for so many years. I have all kinds of material, and and um, I've got a class I've been teaching for twenty years now, and we call it the Believer's Journey. Yeah, and uh, that's where I got the name. And the funny thing is that um, I talk a lot about the inconsistencies, and I get a lot of questions. Um, you know, when I was teaching high school one time, just to insert, we were talking about bad habits. It was one of my courses for the 12th graded class. And I wanted them to write an essay about a bad habit that they, were, they did and they were living with and how they deal with it and so forth and, and so on and how the God would look at it. And I got a girl to raise their hand and says, well, some of us can't write about our bad habit. Well, why not? Because if we said what our bad habit was, we'd get ex- expelled from school. Mm. I'm like, well, what do you mean? What? How awful is this? And she says, well, we smoke. Oh, my word. I'm oh. not here to kick you out of school. I'm here to help you yeah. understand what it means that you deal with a bad habit, what the scriptures say, and how to conquer these things through Jesus. And I think that's where the the lies. We have people who don't get that because mm. they've been pushed down so far that they don't reach up to say, "What else is there? Mm. Where can I go with this?" You're needed, Alan. Then 
Maybe. I'm glad you're doing this. <laughs> no, I want to encourage you. So, so if I'm a listener right now and I've got that Bible question, how can I ask that question on this program? Well, you can get it right on your Facebook um, or Twitter. I think it's on Twitter as well. You can get it on your Facebook and, and type in the question and hopefully we'll see it and we'll be able to answer the question. So maybe we can answer it live on the program. Or I say we, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there'll be questions hopefully to you too. And then either one of us will ask whatever question we're given. Or you can collect them all and save it for your next show, I guess. And, and or, or I can even answer it online if they wanted me to go back to online. That's awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't have somebody on my show that I would not uh, feel comfortable answering questions. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got the wrong guy, but <laughs> that's oh. why you're here. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because I'm such a – a goofball, you know. Takes one to know one. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so in classes, it's it's so funny because I'll say things and then I'll sit and get interrupted my my own thoughts and I'll say something really fun. I think is what the right probably, word is. Probably, yeah. No, my wife will roll her eyes like, "Oh no." Well, our wives have heard all of our jokes already <laughs> a couple of times at least, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to have uh, Miss Susan Cutting here in the house in the studio audience. Yes, there she is. Support. That's that's an awesome. That is a that's what uh, that's a godly couple right there. <clears throat> Kisses to Aww. you. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to get to the lesson. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about relationship. And I want to read something because one of the problems we have with the idea of relationship, and I think through the years, the church has really gone through a lot of turmoil um, because of differences. And I remember when I was uh, started going to the church back in the 70s, everything was all denominational. Mm. You know, if I was a Baptist and you were a Methodist, well, I'm going to heaven, but you're not because you're not a Baptist. And the Methodists would say the same thing. Well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. What's wrong with you? You need to get saved. And it was really denominational oriented, and it didn't have a lot of roots or understandings in the fact that it was not about denomination or was not about the rules that the churches gave, but rather the relationship that Jesus has for us. Mm. So I wrote this um, book that I've never been able to get published. <laughs> <laughs> is it still in your head or is it on paper? It's on paper. Oh, good. <laughs> in fact, it's probably in four different files in my mm. computer. And I want to read this, this statement that I make. Relationship, as basic as it sounds, is unique to every situation, and yet it is as common to every living being as wings are to a bird or leaves to a tree. In, it is man's most foundational concept of life, and nothing transcends its significance. Nothing in this world is as important or as powerful to our existence than the bonds of security, the giving of life, and the development toward maturity of personal relationship. And all of life at its core is the essence of relationship. How we relate to God and how we relate to others are built on that foundation. I want everybody to think about that as we continue in the lesson because that is something I think is important. We, we disregard the fact that relationship is so important. Um, they say medically if uh, people have to have a relationship with something or someone or they'll, they'll die. They have uh, noted where prisoners will be in solitary and they'll develop relationships with the rats or the cockroaches. And if they don't, they'll die. It's just a, a mm. physical thing. Yeah. So I think it's so important to understand that, uh, that relationship is God-given. Amen. And it's developed. And when we look at Christianity, the whole idea of what is a Christi Christianity is based on relationship. Mm. I um I actually teach that Christianity is not a religion. Believe it or not, and the reason I teach that is because of the very definition of what we have. And let me read you the definition of relationship. Relationship, in a way, <clears throat> I'm sorry, is the way in which two or more concepts or objects or people are connected, or the state of being connected. It is a state of being connected by blood or by marriage. The way in which two or more people or groups regard, behave toward each other. That's the definition of relationship. Well, in my mind, that's the definition of Christianity. True. Right? Let me read you what, what um, the definition of religion is. Religion is an order of worship of God or God's, 
It's a belief in God or gods usually expressed in the conduct and ritual in any specific system of belief. It's a worship. Very different than than relationship. Mm. When I look at religions around the world, whether it be Hindu or Buddhist, you know, all these other religions, they are religions because the very definition of what religion is in relationship. It doesn't find itself in a relationship with their God. It finds themselves in a, in a religion with their God. Mm. However, relationship, Christianity, is not that. I mean, you can go to church every Sunday. You can pray every night. Give your tithe every week. You can pray every day and not have a relationship with Jesus and therefore not really be a Christian in his eyes. Mm. What do you think? Well, I, I totally agree with everything you said. It is about relationship and religion. And as, as, as the scariest thing, though, is that people who check that box and go to church, people who uh, check that box and say their prayer at, at, you know, at lunchtime, can do all these religious things, going to church and, and taking communion, etc., and not have a relationship with God is, depart from me, I, I don't know you. It's yeah. the scariest words I could imagine anyone ever hearing yeah. from God. I mean, how do I, so how do I get there? Well, I, I think one it, of the problems is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, it's basically the gospel message there. How do I, if I, if I don't know the truth, if I think I know the truth because my priest or my pastor tells me every Sunday, come to church and that's, that'll get you there. That's the problem. And, um, I don't believe it's by going to your local pastor and asking him, what is a Christian? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, and finalizing that that is your answer. I, years ago when I, I mean, I'm not church grown homegrown church. I grew up in, without church. I started going when I was like 14, but I didn't even become a believer until I was 16. How'd you get saved? Oh, that's a story in okay. itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't want to become a Christian because some of the teens that were in that class, I would go only every other week to the Sunday school. We got railroaded in by my best friend's mother. And um, and anyway, we went and the, the youth director at the time, his name was Herman Rouse, and he... Uh, had this organization with the teens that were really cool. Every quarter, they would go on a trip. Cool. And we lived in the Los Angeles area in the Santa Fe Valley. And they would go back to the mountains or they would go to Alvera Street or different places like that. And so he stated that if we were to attend twice a month, we can go on winter uh, trips. Oh, well, that's really cool. I mean, to the snow in the wintertime, we, thought, we could do that. So we would go to Sunday school. Of course, church was boring, so we went to Taco Bell <laughs> until church was over, and then we would just go home. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that some of those teens were – they were so religious Sunday. And then we knew that some of those teens would be out there on Friday night and Saturday night partying up and doing a lot of things that you just don't do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the week later, they'd have to come back in church and go to the altar and pray forgiveness and Jesus come to my life. Almost like they were getting saved again or some other problem. But it was like a yo-yo relationship experience. And I thought, I don't want to live like that. So I thought that's what Christianity was, and so I didn't want to do it. And one day I was hitchhiking. I was uh, – well, I told you the story. I, was I love it. <laughs> I was hitchhiking and going off to buy a Led Zeppelin record. This is back in 1970. And I was coming back home, and a guy from a four-square four church picked me up, and he started witnessing to me. And I'm like, yada, 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 yes, uh-huh. I know. And then he gave me this little Gospel of John, but he also gave me this little tract, you know, uh, called The Beast. It was a little cartoon. I remember that one. Yeah. So you read about... Oh, it was scary. Oh, I'm... Well, the thing was, at the very end, if you don't... If Jesus is not your Lord, you're sitting there, you're looking at a picture of the guy burning in a fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, the shivers went down me, and I thought, I don't want to be doing that. So I immediately picked up the phone. I mean, I'm I'm reading this while I'm listening to the Led Zeppelin oh, yeah. record. Because really, it rocks, by the way. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. It rocks. <laughs> so this is a Thursday, and I call up the church. We had a new pastor. His name was Lon Ekdahl. And I said, Pastor, I need to see you mm-hmm. um, right away. He says, well, how's tomorrow? He says, fine. I get out of school like a, after lunch. I'll be there. And I spent the entire day inviting me for dinner. <laughs> In his house, and I said, I still have more questions. Yeah. So he's funny. It was a small church, about a hundred people, and he says, "Well, you know, I'm the I'm the janitor tomorrow. If you want to come and help me clean toilets, then come on over." And I literally spent the entire day with him 
asking questions and talking about it because I just had to really have it gel. And when I went home that night, I decided to make Jesus Lord of my life. Mm. And that was different than asking him salvation and all that. It was just different because I understood it. And then the next day, I actually went and made it public into the church. Good. Yeah. Now, did you burn your Led Zeppelin record, or is it okay? Oh. Is it okay to be a Christian and have a Led Zeppelin record? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not particular that particular not record. That <laughs> okay, <laughs> that record had some pretty bad stuff. All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. But um, so so can I see this? Here I'm trying to picture this. 1970s Southern California. Oh my, that's like on the the, the beginning of the Jesus movement. That that really started in Southern California. Were you a part of that? Oh yeah, the earthquake came in '71. That yeah. was it. Oh, oh man. Well, what, what happened? What was that like well, back then? Well, what it was is that we were um, – Because wasn't Chuck Smith and the whole Calvary Chapel movement a big part of the, the music? I'm a music guy myself. I think so. Calvary Chapel happened somewhat – a little bit after yeah. part of this. What actually happened was we – I looked around our school. All of a sudden I realized – and we were, I was in a large school, about 5,000 kids in mm-hmm. our school. We had about 2,000 in our graduating class at Granada Hills. And looking all around during lunch and break, and there's all these kids that are together – Praying, two here, three there, four there, two here. And I looked like, and I thought, none of them know each other. Well, this is crazy. We have all these Christians, and they don't know who they are. So I went to my church, and I said, I'd like to start a Christian club. So what we did was we made up these flyers, and I put them all over the school. And I said, you know, all Christians who are interested, you know, meet on the quad on this particular Tuesday during, uh, it wasn't lunch, but before lunch, the recess period. And I had about 20, 30 people show up, and so I told them what my goal, my goal was and to, to, what to do. And I went ahead, and um, we dispersed from there, and I had a teacher I went to. It was a Christian teacher. Hi, I'd like to have a Bible study in your class on, during lunch period. Oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, no, we can't, can't have Christian stuff. Yeah. So I ended up going to my math teacher, who was a Buddhist. Sure, come sure. on ahead. <laughs> God bless the Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he even came and listened. So we actually grew from about 12 kids within that first year to over 200. Wow. And we would have activities. We have bicycle rides, picnics, and things like that. And our teen group from that grew from like 12 kids to over 40. And we actually started a Christian group called The Living Sounds. We would travel to different churches, and uh, we had a few of us that would uh, preach, but we also played music. Yeah. And it was what did, just, what did you play? I played guitar. S- still? I can still play guitar. That's yeah. awesome. It kind of sits in my corner getting uh-huh. dust, but yeah, I can do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, – Is that how you got Susan? No. But actually, it was really funny because <laughs> when we first met, you know, I told her I played guitar. We actually sat there. She had all this music, and we would sing together. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That's cool. And um, well, nothing's cooler than just being on the maybe the campus there with your guitar, and, oh, and nice. that attracts a crowd, and then you get to obviously share the good news. And well, we had a really a great tool. We had a really hard time because during we had a period there where you can go, and it was a, a study hall period, uh-huh. and there was a couple who started the group, and they were we had this big, oh I don't know, we were. Um, Witnessing to everybody, yeah. you know, the, the weirdest thing, I was going to witness somebody. I still didn't have a Bible. I still never read a Bible. And I would, stuff would come out of my mouth. I'm like, where did that come from? It was and you know, weird. it's the Holy Spirit now? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I knew it then. I just thought it was weird, yeah. you know. But anyway, um, I ended up uh, finding out this one couple, and they actually went to a Lutheran church, okay, and they were witnessing in this uh, class, and this kid uh, challenged him all the time. Well, he ended up getting saved. Well, he's a Jew. Okay. And his parents kicked him out of the home, came down to the school, threatened the principal and vice vice principal, you know. Wow. So the vice principal called me and two other people because the, the club voted me president. So me and two other people into his office and, and was saying, well, you can't save people. Well, we don't save people. Jesus saves the people. So it was great a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for teenagers. The Greeks like, <laughs> and the Jews, by the way. <laughs> so and then he told us the problem. And I said, well, we didn't save him. And Jesus saved him. It was his own decision, you know. And so then we had these Friday, every Friday we'd sit on the quad and we'd sing songs. And we had all these hundreds of people would come mm-hmm. around. And the rice principles started coming around, you know, uh-huh. just to see are we saving people or are we just there? And it's it was a really interesting time. Wow. So our church started to grow and we probably tripled in size. And all of a sudden, the, after the earthquake in 71, people started flocking to the churches. Mm. Oh, I mean, they were just overfull. 
had Jesus is coming, the big, you know. Yeah, the sign times. of times. Yeah. Sign of times. I did my first sermon. I was called the ministry at that point, did my first sermon on a Sunday night, and I did it on the end times. Of course, you know, as a first sermon thing, it was really kind of funny because there I'm, I'm at the time I thought, well, the rapture is going to come and everybody disappears. I'm thinking that I'm talking about, well, if you're on the freeway driving, you not happen to not be saved and everybody around you is saved and Jesus comes, yeah. I'm like, I've got stumped for words. I went, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, my pastor said, that was a good save. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. But that was basically my conversion time and period. And what happened in that L.A. area was, was big. You know, big time. At the, at the time. I never knew that it was – that the, yeah. an earthquake might have triggered that whole, oh, that yeah. whole thing. And yeah. that makes sense now. Yeah. Wow. Well, so. tell us the name again of the program and, and who you are, Alan. Oh, yeah. We're the Believer's Journey, and um, I am Alan. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> a lot of people know me as Kona Kid. I, uh, I spent a lot of time and, uh, in Hawaii. My family grew up in Hawaii. My wife is from Hawaii, and her family is from Hawaii, so we have a lot of Hawaii ties. We probably have a lot of Hawaii people listening. You, and you say you have a lot of Hawaii ties. You, I've never seen you wear a tie. Ever. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> In fact, I rarely tie my shoes either. <laughs> Just the sandals and flip-flops. Yeah, usually sandals and flip-flops. Exactly. Today, though, my wife made me wear shoes. Yeah, okay. Well, you're at the radio station here. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Dress it up a little bit, huh? But I still wear my Aloha shirts wow. and so forth. You, you talked about relationships are so important. Obviously, it's a relationship with the Father and, and reading the Word there, too. Um but as I as I as you were speaking there, you get saved, and all of a sudden you're in a leadership position from the beginning of your faith. Yeah, and I thought that was weird, but you did, um, yeah, because I was not a leader. I was shy. Uh, ah, like, so like, God, so God uses people that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway He wants. Gotcha. People won't would never believe that I'm really more introverted and that I'm shy because I am totally out there now. It's it's different. Um, I'm, hmm. I'm a clown. I'm a card. I like tell jokes. I told my wife I should be a stand-up com- comedian, and she Clark. laughed. Right? Well, she's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, why not? You're not funny, but everybody else tells me I'm funny, yeah. and I'm like, I know what it is. You're afraid I'm going to tell stories about you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Listen to your wife sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks through. She's wife, over there nodding and yeah, shaking exactly. her head. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, so much for the support. <laughs> oh, I know. But she looks after herself. <laughs> That's right. No, she's an awesome woman. Yeah. God bless you for sure. So um, anyway, back to the relationship. Are you, yeah, done, so was, are you done with my, I'll, my I'll, history? Yeah, that and I just – again, how your, your leadership uh, and relationships that you developed in the last 30, 40, 50 years is, well, you know, is who we are. I moved out of my home when I was like 16 and a half years old um, and lived in my car for a little bit. Wow. And then I uh, – Were you a hippie? Did you have hair down I, there? I wasn't. I was a lowrider. I had a lower car and oh, yeah. I was called the lowrider preacher at the time, you know. <laughs> But um, a couple from our church took us in, took me in. I started paying rent. I paid about $100 a month to, to live somewhere with this couple. And then I ended up moving out and back into my car. And my pastor um, came over at 5 in the morning. He's making all these weird noises, you know, and wakes me up. And I'm like, what are you doing here? It's 5 in the morning. And he goes, well, you want to go to breakfast? Are you awake? I goes, well, I am now. I might as well. <laughs> so anyway, he invited me to live with him. And so basically I moved in with him and I, I've been with him until I, after college. I got married. And so even during college, I come home to his house. And he he was the actual foundation for me to understand uh, what it was like to have a decent home. I mean, I lived in a in a home that was so defunct, dysfunctional. Um, you know, we ran the streets all day, like all night, and we just did what we wanted to. And you know, went to his house, and you know, they put their kids down at night and prayed with them and talked with them. They had meals together, I and mean, you know, it was just very, very different. Mm. And I saw the love between he and his wife, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. And he put rules on me. You know, I was a kid at, in the street. And he says, you know, if you come to my house, you don't drink. No, don't come to my house drunk. I've got kids, et cetera, et cetera. Right. No problem. So we really had a good relationship, and I learned a lot from him. He is probably one of them, a very, very humble man and uh, an amazing guy. So I learned uh, from him. The problem I had in my life was growing up for the next 10 years, I had this bitterness, actually anger to my mom because of being kicked out at 16 and gotcha. all these other problems that went on. And I, that, that anger grew into bitterness. And it affected relationships for the next 10 years or more until I finally, you know, 
uh, made it right with my mom. But Lon helped me to really understand that Jesus needed to be Lord of my life. Jesus needed to be focused, the focus in my life. Mm. And I had good, I had good other, if you read on my, uh, the website, our website's, uh, thebelieversjourney.net. And on my bio, I talk about a couple of guys that have been in my life. There was a guy named Reuben Welch. He was the uh, chaplain for Point Loma Nazarene University, an amazing guy. Back in the 70s, he's teaching and talking about relationship when nobody else is. Mm. He was like the guy, runaway guy, mm. who was very different. So I learned from him and learned from Lon, and I was able to – try to grow and become more mature because mm. I really wasn't mature when I was young. It was really bad. I made a lot of bad mistakes. Mm. Most of us that come out of these dysfunctional homes do. Mm. You know, we really do. And it's really, uh, I would be more like you where I came out of just, you know, it would be nice grow up in the church and a home and not have these problems. But, you know, we have a lot of problems of growing up in this kind of a atmosphere. Alcohol was all over. Mm. Shoot, I used to go into my mom's cabinet, pour out the bourbon, pour in water, and take it. And I, I, she wow. never know the difference. But you know, it's really you know when I grew up and and learned more about you know what was good and, and important. You know, Jesus is the one who was important. You know, as your theme, as and as a lot of Christians like to say, it's all about the relationship. It's not a religion. Mm-hmm. You just gave out the definition, though. I have a feeling you might have a thought that the good aspects of religion. Well, yeah. Um, religion, you know, God created religion. Okay. That's important to understand. And it's a foundation. God did create religion. People are like, what do you mean? All we hear about is religion is all man-made. Well, no, God created prayer. Correct. Okay. God created the attendance to, to gather together when he had the tabernacle, when he had the temple, when we have church. He's, he's created the attendance and the gathering together of believers. Forsake not. Okay. He, he uh, is one that created tithing, mm-hmm. you know. The storehouse. He created, you know, the things that we do for each other. Those things, even though they're relationship connected, that's a lot of religion. When I go to church every week, when I pay my tithe or when I'm praying, you know, um, I'm acting in religion. Those are God-made factors of religion, mm. period. Are those good or bad? Well, they're good, obviously. Mm. The problem we have is when man comes along and says, well, you know what? <clears throat> to be a Christian, um, you need to do these things, and you can't be drinking or dancing or cussing or fussing or boogieing all night, all night long. Mm. You know, These become part of religion that, unfortunately, are taught like salvation. Mm. When I was about 30 years old, and I was having a real struggle in my own Maybe I was 27 years old. About 27 years old. I had a real struggle in my own life and walk with, with the Lord. And I thought about this. What is Christianity? And I think at that point is when I really hit hit it. At what is Christianity? And I went ahead and I, I went to a pastor. What is it to be a Christian? Well, to be a Christian, you have to go to church, read your Bible and pray. Check, check, tithe, check. Tithe. <laughs> and I walked away thinking, he has no clue. Wow. He has no clue. And at, at that point is when I really backed off and decided I needed to know. I mean, I, I, had, a, I had a master's degree at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I did. And it was terrible. You know, here I've got a master's in biblical literature, and I'm like, you know, questioning the very essence of Christianity because I've been so indoctrinated with the legalism, mm. with the rules. I mean, my word, back in the 70s, the church I was going to, you know, one of the rules were that if you were divorced, you couldn't be a member. I mean, you, you, you no, no grace, huh? None. You couldn't go to a, a, a you couldn't read your paper on Sunday. You couldn't go to a, a circus. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things that became very legalistic and, and so forth. Well, a lot of those things, I understand why they have them and they're fine. But we need to understand that when we teach these things, Therefore, the betterment of our growth, not because it gives us or takes away salvation. Mm. And that is what has happened over the decades, if not centuries, is that we've been been filled with all these traditions about the legalistic life. And that's how we are given salvation. Now, in that respect, that religion is not good. Right. However... 
we should be going to church. We should be meeting with people. We should be paying our tithe. We should be, you know, uh, praying and reading our scripture. We should be doing all these things because what that does is it enhances our relationship with Jesus. Mm. It also, it, it builds character. Mm. Without that, our relationship is going to be weak. It's going to dwindle. We're going to have major problems. The other part of relationship isn't the fact that we just um, have this relationship with Jesus. It's that we have the relationship with other believers. Mm. That is such a powerful teaching in the Bible. And what really irritates me is that we don't get this teaching in our churches. The gospel, not the, gospel the, the book of 1 John is so strong about how we need to live with one another and love one another to the point where he says two different things. One is that if you hate the, your brother in Christ, you, that uh, you're deceiving yourself and God is not in you. Mm. That's heavy. It also <laughs> says if you don't love your brother in Christ, that you're dead, that God isn't in you. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to hate your brother because if you don't love them, then he's saying you're not really a believer. I mean, talk about the power of that teaching, and we don't hear it in our in our churches. And yet, I remember people standing up, I giving their testimony. I love Jesus. Then also, next thing you know, I hate so and so, and I hate so and so. Oh my word! Yeah, I mean, we need to teach this in our in our churches. This is so important because it's such a dangerous road to take. So, being sitting in the pew with a hundred people, two hundred people, two thousand people, twenty thousand people. Is not the community that you're talking about. How do I get plugged in and 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 build relationships? Because it's so easy nowadays to walk into church and walk out and not talk to a soul. Well, come to my class. Ah, <laughs> see, <laughs> believersjourney.com. There you go. Right. <laughs> um, actually, I really believe in in these few things. I believe that it's important that we actually have a group that we are accountable to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why classes are, are important or little groups are important because then ministry is what takes place. I go to a church where there's thousands of people and I may say hi to four or five of the people while the church service is going on and I walk out. To me, that's not really church. I mean, church is when you gather together, you talk with one another, you share. I share my burden, you share your burden, we may pray for one another, and that's church. To me, that's the gathering of what the Bible teaches, that true relationship with the body is all about. Um, when we go and, and we sing and listen to a sermon and walk away, um, to me, okay, that's all, all right, but it doesn't satisfy the very fact that we need to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4, it, it tells us why we go. We go to build one another up, to, to help each other, mm-hmm. to build one another up and and love each other. And, and uh, that's why we have in, in everybody always wants to know about the gifts of the Spirit. Well, we, you know, you look at First um, Corinthians 12, what's the reason for the gifts? To build the body of Christ. Mm. And that is so essential because if we're not doing that and all we think of are is, is just me and Jesus, well, that's even theologically incorrect. But we have songs that sing this. Mm. It's all Jesus is all I need. Well, that's not true. We need one another. And the Bible, Jesus, in mm-hmm. in John chapter 13, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment mm-hmm. that you love one another as I have loved you. And the problem is we don't decipher and pick apart what that means. Oh, I do know that it's, <laughs> that it's the top two commands there. It's got to no. be pretty important, right? No. To love not, your neighbor? No, 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 no. You're not talking about love your neighbor. No, this is a different. That's in Matthew. Okay. Where Jesus says, you know, the, the two top commandments are to love God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. But then when he's in the upper room and he's talking to his disciples just before he gets arrested, he's talking to them and answering all these questions like, where's the father? Where are you going? And so forth. And finally he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The way that you love one another, the world will know that you're mine. Gotcha. Now, the thing is, how did Jesus love one another? Do you know? I'm here to listen to you, sir. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Number one, he taught them. Mm -hmm. Number two, he prayed for them. He prayed with them. Number three, you know, he healed them. What does that mean for us today is we can comfort one another. That's mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Um, Just being there. Being mm-hmm. He spent time with yeah. them. He literally spent days and hours and so forth, a little backwards there, but he spent all this time with them. This is part of how Jesus loved us because what we end up doing is say, well, I know how Jesus loved us. How? He went to the cross and died for us. Oh, so that means I need, we all need to go to the cross and die for each other so there's mm-hmm. no more Christians, right? I mean, it's really stupid thinking. Mm-hmm. We need to do what Jesus did because he's talking about this before he went to the cross, mm. right? Right. This is what he's done already. And then something he had just done in that room before he says this, he sat down and he washed their feet. There you go. And washing their feet says, I serve you. Mm-hmm. The word agape for agape love is that which gives without uncondi- unconditionally without expectation of return. Mm. And the word he uses there is agape. And yes, of course, he went on and, and went to the cross and right. he died for us. Then he rose again and now he's, you know, preparing a place for us. But we need to realize all those other things. There's another passage in First um, John 3.16. Okay, Um, and it says uh, that by the way we know what love is, is by laying down our lives for our brethren. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we go back to how is that? It's by the giving of ourselves unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's that's kind of what I see as part of this relationship and part of the whole idea of of Jesus teaching us what it means to live in this relationship. Mm. Okay. So the Bible says wherever two or more are gathered, guess what? He's in our midst. Right. We're two, so I'm th- I feel like we're having church right now. And now there's in the 21st century that we're in and this technology that you're using right now for the very first time, this podcast that's being shared all over the world, can I? Ha- can you build community with your audience who's you, you'll maybe never even see them face to face because they may be in Russia. I don't know about Russia, but they might be in Moldova. Aha. <laughs> like that. Hello to our friends in Moldova. So, yeah. Hello. Aloha to our friends in Moldova. Yeah. Um, I might even have one in India. Cool. Um, I have a, a guy who does my websites and he uh, is a born again Christian. He's in India. And so he signed up to to listen to this. Of course, right now it's probably midnight there. Or, <laughs> but um, but you have relationships around the globe. Around, there. Yeah, I and, have them in and Hawaii. You can, and I you have, can do that right now on this on this believer's yeah. journey. I even have somebody in uh, in England. All right. I, uh, I, every year I go to Moldova, uh, and if you don't know where that is, if you know where the Romania is, you know where the Ukraine is. There's a little bitty country between them. It's sandwiched between. Yeah, them. it's called the Republic of Moldova. And I go there every year, and I, I teach at the Bible Seminary there, and I also teach and work with uh, Campus Crusade. Mm. So I do sermons, and I do teachings, and I do seminars. Wow. Um, seminars, another thing I never used to do before was the seminars. I was asked, can you do a – he didn't ask if I could do. He says, I want and you I to do you a to. seminar, <laughs> yeah, on relationship. I go, seriously? Wow. <laughs> So I become this comedian with the with the. There's where I have to do to my like you, yeah, yeah. Uh, with these relationship uh, seminars. That it's been a hit over there. It's been pretty good. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure they're very grateful for you to come. They are. I know that they're landlocked and there's not a lot of opportunities there for, with their natural resources. So you you come with a light and a hope and a little humor. That goes a long way. They appreciate hearing the gospel from yeah. you. So God bless you. And in that country, it is the poorest country in all of Europe. Hmm. And it's uh, but beautiful people, beautiful people. That's what really draws me mm-hmm. to Moldova, is that uh, when I look here in the United States and I look at my history from the '70s when we were busy in in um, ministry, back then ministry was ministry was ministry and it was pure. And when I look around today, it's a lot of it's about money and the bottom dollar and the and the profit you can make out of ministry, and it really breaks my heart. Mm. But when I'm in Moldova. And there's a church there, and uh, they have a, a, a camp every year, summer camp. And they have, a, I think it's like $75 to go to camp. But if they have somebody in their in their teen group that invites five people who don't go to church, they get to go free. Oh, cool. So it's real ministry there. So 75% of the kids that go to their camp are not Christians, not saved. Mm. That's ministry. Right. And here, it, it, I don't see that anywhere anymore. Mm. And it's sad, and it's heartbreaking. Breaking. But over there, I just love it. And the people are warm. And I think because they're poor, they they need each other. Mm-hmm. And you see that bonding in people's in the, in the um, buildings and the areas that they live in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think you were poor at one time. You're living out of your car. <laughs> you know, we've all been there. We don't really exactly realize we're we're poor, but those friendships and relationships in the community—it's kind of like the good old days when we were poor. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah. We're, anyway, we've become so self-sufficient now is that we don't even know our neighbors. We don't need them. Yeah, and they do, and so it, it keeps that alive. And I think that's really wonderful. I love going to Moldova. Yeah, I good go, for you. Really love it. When's your next trip? Oh, probably it's either be next. It'll be next winter sometime, whether before Christmas or after Christmas. I don't know. Okay, but probably sometime in the winter. Oh, that's so, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just came back. We were there for three weeks in October. There you go. So, three weeks. Three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Who mowed the yard? No, you don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> who, who fed the dog? All right. Well, <laughs> so, well, that's cool. Yeah. And we made some dear friends. And actually, there's a uh, in about a month and a half, we'll have a. A missionary, a couple, a couple actually will be here on my show. Excellent. So, um, they they become friends, and you have another couple who have actually become friends. We stay at their house or their apartment, um, their little six hundred square foot apartment with four kids. Wow! <laughs> you know, every time we go, and it's really amazing. Sure. So great memories. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you have pictures of it uh, on your website or on your Facebook? Um, of your experiences on, there on on my website. I do have. Um, a page there about the missionaries that we do we are supporting. There's one particular missionary uh-huh. that we do support. It's on the web page. I don't have any pictures of my um, all right my activities. However, if you on my Facebook, I did put up some uh, pictures of my teaching oh, good. over there and and so forth. So there's several pictures there. We actually what's really cool about Moldova also is that you can go into their public school system and teach about Jesus. If I'm listening right now and I want you to come to my church or my men's ministry or my missionary group there, are you available to speak? Absolutely. How do they? How do we get a hold of you? Um, well, they can text, uh, actually message me from uh, oh, sure. our website or uh, I might get to know me on my uh, Facebook and I could always, uh, I will always respond. And the website officially is? Thebelieversjourney.net. Brilliant. Yeah. Good idea. So... Anyway, so you don't want to give out your cell phone? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have a separate number for for that All just right. yet. One so, day at a time here. Yeah, my first show. Come on, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to get back to the the idea about religion and relationship. Um, <clears throat> the reason I'm really want to teach this in, on my first, you know, uh, video is because I think it's such an important foundation. You know, I think people need to know that the relationship with God, uh, Jesus, has to be combined with the relationship with other believers. It just has to be. It's the way it is in Scripture. And I think if we ignore that, we're ignoring the teachings of the Bible. Jesus says, if you love me, which is a type of relationship, you'll obey me. Mm. And Jesus talked about the relationship we need to have with one another. And then the Bible goes on to talk about the relationship we need to have with one another. Like I said in First John, you see this in the Old Testament. Um, the whole idea that Christianity, actually God from the beginning set up relationship. Amen. When he created Adam, what did he say that he did? He walked with, in the garden with him. He set up a relationship. He had a relationship with Cain who killed Abel. Hmm. When Cain did not have his offering, you know, blessed, you know, Cain was angry. What did God do? He came and talked to him. Hey, you don't want to get the anger away because you may do something you don't want to do. Mm. He warned him. He talked to him. God had a relationship with people back in Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, mm-hmm. all the way through the New Testament. We somehow get in our mind that because we're of the New Testament, the, the Old Testament's all about the law and we're all about the grace. And that's totally not true. I mean, God's been about relationship the entire time that we've had humanity. Right. And the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, God wouldn't change from one to the other. When we look at the law, I don't think we understand it as what it is mm. because we don't get, again, we have these teachers and pastors who don't really know how to teach it. Mm. Um, the law was given to us when when Moses came from, uh, brought the people out of Egypt, and God gave the law. The law didn't start, have no gods before me. The law started with, I delivered you from Egypt, the house of slavery, bondage. 
therefore have no gods before me. Mm. He qualified himself in this relationship in order for them to serve him. Mm. Again, relationship. We go to the third commandment. The third commandment talks about, you know, uh, thou shalt use his name in vain. We've been taught, I'm sure you've heard this over and over again, you don't say say verbally his name in vain. Right. You know, um, almost like God will zap you if you do. Right. However, that is not how I teach it. Right. If you call yourself a believer and you live like a non-believer, you're using God's name in vain. Mm-hmm. Correct. And I believe if we're going to sit there and say the law isn't important to us, then we can go ahead and, and break all those because it's not important. We can go murder people and so forth because that's part of the law. But see, he gave that to us to develop and live in this relationship with him and live in a relationship with the community so that we knew how to do this right. Mm. When they came out of Egypt, they were under imp- oppression. You know, if the sheriff woke up on the wrong side of the bed and, and you happened to be s- caught stealing, he's in a bad mood, ah, cut off his arm, you know. The next guy is, say, you know, Susan over there gets caught the second day, you know, and he's in a good mood, whatever it might be, ah, just, you know, put her in the corner for for an hour. <laughs> That's oppression because yeah. you never knew what your punishment what was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. God gave it so everything was pretty well equal, so they mm-hmm. understood that and they were able to give that and the community can live in a relationship that flourished because they honored each other. Mm. And that was what the law was about. Mm. And, you know, when you look at David wrote, you know, that the statute called the law statutes, the statutes are perfect and give life and liberty. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. You know, and we aren't taught this. Mm. It's sad. Right. That Old Testament, you know, without the Old Testament, the New Testament doesn't even make sense. I'm not a big fan of handing out New Testaments by itself. (laughs) Yeah. Because it starts in Genesis 1. The relationship yeah. starts right there. God breathing into man's nostrils. You don't get more intimate well, yeah. <laughs> than that. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing is, is that God is God is God. And he's mm-hmm. all about relationship. Mm-hmm. He's all about relationship. Mm. You know, he calls the people of Israel. He calls them his children. I am a father to you. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's not about law and rules and regulations. That's about a relationship that he loves his people. Good. And it crosses over in the New Testament. And Jesus does exactly that. Mm. You know, and I think we need to adhere to this idea of relationship. That is Christianity. Mm. Not only that, that is pure Judaism. Mm. True. Really, it is. Mm-hmm. Pure Judaism is back to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. And somehow we got it twisted up in Jesus' day. Mm. And we're continuing the problem today. You know, it's unfortunate. Good stuff. Are your notes available on this teaching anywhere? If uh, I wanted this, I can make them available. Yeah, you should. I teach this stuff all the time. So, okay. Yeah. So we just email you or poke you on the internet yeah, and say, "Hey, can, all right." Yeah. I don't know how to make it available from my website or from the Facebook, but I can but make you can it send, available. Send the notes on your on the difference between religion and relationship. You got it and. Yeah. Ready to send. I could do that. Um, That'd be cool. And if you want to challenge me, I have no problem with challenge. I love him. I welcome it. All right. You know, I used to have this guy in my class. Uh, he's still kind of part of us, but he's gotten into a ministry. And he'd sit there in my class and he would say, you know, I don't agree with you on this. That's okay. <laughs> because I I don't want you to just come because you agree with me. I want you to come because you're actually feeding on the word. And I tell the people that I teach don't just listen to me and go away thinking that you've got, you've got it. You need to walk away and study and make sure what I said was accurate. Just like you did. Just like I did. Yeah. Just like if you go to a church and you listen to a pastor say things, right. oh, my word, how many times do I listen to a pastor say something inaccurate and walk away? i got to oh, look I, that up. Yeah. Yes. Or I do and I think he's, he's incorrect. Yeah. You know, and how many people don't do that? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't build a foundation in your walk with the Lord. You don't build a foundation in your relationship as a believer if you don't search the scriptures. Mm. Um, right. You, if Too many times things will happen to people and everybody wonders, oh, hey, we're such a good Christian or a strong Christian. I don't know what happened. Well, if they don't build a foundation in the word and a tragedy happens, it's easy to fall apart. Mm. It's easy. If you build yourself with the scriptures and you have a foundation, then you have something there that'll hold you. Right. You know, I think it's it's uh, silly to think that, oh, it's just me and Jesus, and I'm good for that and good for whatever. It's like the guy who walks in life and says, you know, I'll never have, have an affair on my wife. I won't do it, won't do it, won't do it. I'm, I won't never happen. Well, you're saying you're immune to it, 
And you're saying that Satan is, has no power at all. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. He is very deceptive. Mm-hmm. And it happens to so many people I know, so many million people in the ministry. Mm-hmm. We need to guard ourselves. That's what Ephesians, you know, is all about, guarding our lives mm-hmm. against Lucifer, against right. the, the evil part of that so we can be strong. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, Good. all about relationship. Good stuff, Alan. Well, I'm proud to know you. How about that? Yeah, I'm proud to know you too. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of neat how we got together. I, yeah, you know. Um, now I want um, I want to tell our audience about you a little bit. And I want you to talk about yourself. Oh, cool. Okay? Thank you. So Baron is the director of media and operations for a ministry called To His Glory Ministries. Yeah. He also is a digital media producer for River City Community Church here in San Antonio. Right. And he's the founder of the Believers Business League in San Antonio as well. Thank you very much. You spent a lot of years, I guess, with KSLR and I have, and uh, also Salem Media Group. Yeah. yeah, seventeen and a half years officially. Wow. Yeah, at one place, which is a long time in radio. But uh, God has just so blessed me with so many great relationships yeah. over the years, great pastors and and clients and uh, and fellow uh, co-workers here too. We've got Shemaya. You're dealing with the best producer in San Antonio, Texas. He is so. <laughs> talented in what he does. So you're in good hands here, well, Alan. That's good. And I understand you're also now working with Any Woman Can. Well, I, <laughs> I didn't apply, but I got the job <laughs> for some strange reason because my wife is the executive director at Any Woman Can. So it's a beautiful ministry that that uh, offers free resources to women and offering free sonograms and free pregnancy tests and free counseling in Jesus' name that uh, girls who might come in abortion-minded uh, come get a sonogram to find out if they're pregnant and then they have to deal with reality real quick and then they yeah. find out about a savior. So miracles happen Every day at any woman can. So I, I help out a lot behind the scenes, and uh, she puts me to work pretty good, yeah. But, so you're a man with many hats. Yeah, that's I've always had been my whole life yeah. there, too. But I have less hats, I think, in focusing on two is glory ministries. You're a missionary yourself as you go to Moldova, as you said. Uh, the mission of, of two is glory ministries is to, well, that's the Great Commission. And so we have, we think we've built a better mousetrap. We have a radio show on KSLR on AM 630 The Word every Sunday at three o'clock. I hope you tune in and listen. We do great interviews, uh, with, you know, really, I'm just so blessed of, of the quality of the, of the people that we get to talk to. Uh, Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers was our very first guest and Al Robertson from the, from the Duck Commander, et cetera. Uh, just, just to, you can go all see that at our, at our website, twoisgloryministries.org and our Facebook page, twoisgloryministries. But we feel like we built a, a better mousetrap in this presentation of the gospel to these these scripture players. So it's the Old Testament, and it's the Old Testament in whatever language you missionary needs. Plus, we load up another hour's worth of gospel messages so that you're just not handed the Bible. There's teaching to go along with it from a a trusted pastor. And our first target area, we're going to, as there's still 3.1 billion people who have still not heard the gospel, evangelism is not keeping up with the world population. And so this, with this player, uh, put into the hands of missionaries can then be can plant churches all over the world. Our first target is uh, Chiapas, Mexico. Our our mutual friends there at the Community Bible Church and the Missions mm-hmm. Department, they have boots on the ground that are already there. Our goal is to get 10,000 of these players uh, on the ground there and just watch the first 10,000 churches get planted in a, in a country of about 5.1 million people. And man, there's, there's, it's probably mm-hmm. the hardest uh, in Mexico, the hard, the, the least reached uh, state in the in the whole whole yeah. country. And that's so Michelle and uh, Greg, uh, everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those are the past the missions. Right. Uh, our friends there. Um. So 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 bless the Lord, all my soul. We can't. We just launched, and so uh, our first goal again is ten thousand. And so hey, if, if this is Christmas time, and can I make an ask for for people to support sure. and plant a church? For forty dollars, that covers everything. That's the player. Uh, it's a solar panel player, uh, so it it uh, it it's got a five to eight year shelf life. There comes with headphones and a built in battery, of course. But the solar power gives it more life. Um, and again, too, where if it's in the rainforest, or our next our next place is Suriname, uh, South America, where the rainforest, uh, the trees, the canopy of the trees, uh, radio signals, Christian radio can't get in there because. It doesn't reach it. It's like going under a bridge. So, yeah. but these players are, are, are there. So, for a gift of forty dollars, that plants a church. We're saying, and our goal is ten thousand. So, um, again, our website is twoisgloryministries dot org. Um, that's how that's how we keep it alive. Um, one one again is forty. Hey, ten is four hundred, and hundred is four thousand. And if you got four million dollars doing nothing, God bless you. We're gonna we're gonna change the world by sharing the good news and the gospel. So, thank you for asking, Alan. That's what we're doing. And I'll go ahead and put that website on my uh, oh, thank you uh, on my website where your name is under guests. Thank you. Yeah, so that way people can go ahead and 
click on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're very excited about that and, and more good things to come. Uh, I, as you mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm part of something that helped create something called the, the Believers Business League. And so that will now evolve under the umbrella of, of Two is Glory Ministries in 2020. Uh, so we've got some very, very cool, exciting things coming up there, too, partnering with. Well, I mean, I just came from Jarris uh, General Contractors, one of the largest builders in the world. They are changing their culture for the kingdom in their business first with their new president. Uh, uh, his name is Kenny Fuller. Loves the Lord and wants to change the culture in, in his place, has Bible studies there. You can actually, you know, you can actually have a Bible study in your workplace. It's not yeah. against the law. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. I'd have to have, have you come and, and be a guest speaker there. <laughs> at one of the future ones there too. Just came from there recording some shows and, and, and showing people that it's okay to love the Lord at work. Church happens just not on Sunday. Wow. And so that's what we're doing with uh, Two is Glory Ministries. It's pretty that's exciting. Good. What um what about the River City? What do you do there? I for a long, long time, as I've been here with the radio station with AM six thirty the word, uh the pastor there is Sean Azaro. Uh and so this whole time I've been producing his his radio program that airs on KSLR uh every day at five thirty in the afternoon. Uh so I continue to produce that radio show for them, uh, you know, under under his leadership. And we also do a podcast as well. So we talk about issues uh, that are that are more current event, you know, Kanye West and and Beth Moore and John MacArthur. We talk about and and Colin Kaepernick and and you know what's what's the and disciples. So anyway, so he's got a fun podcast that uh, that we do over there as well. So tell me about you. What's what's your background? What's your story? Thank you for asking, Alan. Um, again, I'm so humbled and and proud to be here. There too. My story is 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 I think you assume that I was raised in the church and it's all you know been easy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my parents were a product of the of the early seventies, actually late sixties. I am a product of the late sixties, and uh, and the culture that that came with that. Um, part of my testimony is my parents' testimony. When I was about four, my little sister, uh, who was about two, she passed away uh, from a virus that this day we don't know what it was, but it was her death that my hippie parents, who did have hair down to there, knew that she was with the God. That, that they grew up with and that she wasn't going to be reincarnated like the hippie culture said. Mm-hmm. So my mom first got radically born again and then my dad got radically born again. And so from then on, yes, I was raised in the church, you know, from five to, uh, to, to, to today. I got saved at, at uh, this little assembly of God church in Houston, Texas and was filled with the, with the joy of the Lord. I couldn't explain it, but there was a musical band. Music is a big part of my life. They were called the sounds of victory. And I, and I just was filled with joy and I've had that same joy ever since, uh, which is, which is who I am. And, uh, so, so growing up in the church was, was, was great and stayed involved, active in the youth groups and, and, and always felt like uh, there was a, always a calling in my life to, 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 to serve and use my talents for the Lord and, I, and, I, and to work for Salem for 17 years and to, and to be in radio and to spread the gospel has always been a big part of it. And then I had the opportunity to, to, to the Lord opened the door for two his glory ministries, which is now, I always thought. This radio tower is, is sending out the gospel over central South Texas, and that was fine. Well, now it's whose glory with the same radio. Now I'm a client <laughs> like you <laughs> on, this, on the show uh, sharing this, the, the same gospel. But now with these radio players, now we're just going to go out and, and, and spread the gospel out all over the world just like the Great Commission calls us to do. So that's that's what motivates me every day is, is, to, is to say, Lord, this, is, this day is yours, and let's, let's save some lives and, and share the good news. And so that, that's what I do. <laughs> Uh, I always like to tell this story real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, my, uh, my, it's always about the birth of my, my kids, you know, cause that's, that's, uh, always special to folks. Um, my, my first daughter was born, uh, her name is Olivia. Uh, we didn't want to know the, um, the, the sex of her when, when, when the child was born, cause we had a boy name and a girl name. And so when she came out, uh, out came uh, a girl. So she was Olivia. When we got pregnant again, we asked the doctor, Hey, uh, we'd like to know this time. Can we, can we get hand-me-downs or, or do we got to get all new gear? She goes, hand me downs. You're having a, another girl. <laughs> well, we didn't have another girl name picked out. So Shane and I went back and forth on the, the names and uh, just couldn't decide. And so we finally said, you know what? The Lord knows and he'll just tell us. So two weeks before the official due date, the due date was October 31st, mm-hmm. Halloween, right? We're two weeks out and we tell the, tell the doc, hey, we'd like to avoid having costume parties the rest of our lives if she actually comes out on the 31st. Do you have the technology to speed this up? And she says, we'll see you. We'll see you next Friday. We said, thank you. Still didn't have a name. The next day, October 17th, water breaks. We're driving to the hospital, and that's the day the Lord gave us the name. We named her after my sister who passed away. 
Her name is Vanessa. We named her Vanessa after her because her birthday was also October the 17th. That's cool. Yeah. So the Lord knew the whole time and gave us this gift. I was able to call Grammy and say, hey, you've got another grandchild. Her name is Vanessa on Vanessa's birthday. That was cool. Oh, yeah. And it was like the Lord's telling seven billion stories all at the same time. He's telling yours. He's telling Susan's. And he's telling Shemaiah's through your life. And it's our job to glorify him and, and, and telling these stories because he's writing it. And it may take t- 30 years or it may take 50 years or it may take 70 years or it may take a week. But God, as the author and finisher of our faith, is writing awesome stories through you, Alan. And so I want to encourage you to use this microphone to tell your stories and glorify him. And again, God bless you. Thank you. Well, it looks like we're ready to go. Um, thank you for joining us. This is The Believer's Journey. And uh, we do have our website called thebelieversjourney.net. And join us again in two weeks. This will be um, January 1st. Yeah. Happy New at, Year. At new, yes. So, everybody, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, a wonderful two weeks, and Lord bless you all. Thank you so much for joining. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.